Well, the Gene Keys are an embodied transmission. They're a living wisdom. And there are 64 Gene Keys. Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Emily Rocket. We talk about the Gene Keys, shadow work, and how to heal yourself once and for all. Please like and subscribe. Thank you. Emily, welcome on, on the show. So I usually do a, a ton of research for Rancher, but I'm accepting my position here as a dumbass on the, on the Gene Keys just to, to learn everything from you. So why don't we begin with the Gene Keys itself, uh, what, what it is exactly for beginners like me who don't know anything about it, and what got you into it in the first place? Well, the Gene Keys are an embodied transmission. They're a living wisdom. And there are 64 Gene Keys, and there are 64 codons that live within our DNA. And so this is how the Gene Keys and our codons and our genes are connected. And we're looking at archetypal genetics that play through our DNA. So there are three frequency bands within every gene key. There's the shadow, and this is our challenges. There's the gift. This is our pathway, our creative genius, our higher potential, our highest expression. And there's the Siddic frequency band, and that's S-I-D-D-H-I. And this is our divine essence. So Within each one of these gene keys, we have this alchemical journey that we can work with in terms of our unique imprint, our unique patterns. And so we can look at our polygenetic profile, our gene keys profile, as this really unique blueprint into the contours of our soul, into who we truly are, what we've come here for, like our higher purpose, our greatest challenges the portal to really open our heart, to heal crazy childhood wounding and trauma, and ultimately how we can unlock our prosperity. So every person has, you know, one or two or three, depending on their profile and their birth date time and place. They have this map of these gene keys that give them access into these unique patterns, these unique challenges, these unique gifts, their genius of who they are. So the gene keys, in a sense, are an encyclopedia of consciousness. Each of the 64 gene keys really tell the story of like what's available in the human experience through consciousness. And so we're working with really deep kind of patterns and ultimately answers into what's available in this human experience. And so Richard Rudd is the author of the gene keys, and he does and absolutely profoundly incredible job of going through and kind of answering the like answering whatever questions come up in life you can find the answers to through the gene keys in in the gene keys what piques my interest is that your your gifts come out of your shadow that in some degree you have to be with your shadow feel your shadow and process it to find find the gift why is that the case? You think why are gifts hidden in our shadows? And how can one actually do that? How can we, what's the process of finding the gem in the abyss? Yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely the fundamental core of the gene keys is every shadow contains a gift. And 
you know, I like, I, I had this visual, there's a couple different analogies. One, I'll give you a simple one is our shadows are our seeds. And oftentimes the seeds are underground. We're not aware of them. They're buried deep in our subconscious our unconscious. And so when we get to know where they are, what they are, we can start to cultivate them. We can start to grow them into their higher potential, which is the flower. And this is like the gift in the gene keys. And then the fruit grows from the flower, and that's the cytic frequency in the gene keys, where both the fruit and the flower contain the seed. Another way that I like to think about it is these seeds, you know, our shadows, they're so deeply entrenched in our primal brain, in our neurobiology, our Olympic system. They're deep, deep, deep in our sub-unconscious, and we're not really aware of them. They're just playing out, and then we create justifications in our neocortex as to what they are. So that being said, often what happens is most of our behavior, like 90%, is based on our subconscious, our primal brain, our limbic system. And we may not even be aware of it. And so the beauty of working with the gene keys, the beauty of working with your shadow, gives you an access point into your unconscious, your subconscious patterns that carry the seed of your awakening, the seed of your potential. And so personally, you know, what I like to use to access that, to go into the shadow, to fully like come to accept it and embrace it is Tantra. And Tantra is a kind of philosophy or practice that really embodies the scope of the full embrace of unconditional love and acceptance for self, for all the aspects of self. And it gives us a kind of practice where we can meet those deeply buried acts, like deeply buried aspects of self and come to integrate them. And so I personally like to use Tantra as a tool to really be able to go into those seeds and grow them into their higher potential. The gene keys uses contemplation. And so contemplation is kind of like the middle ground between that of meditation and just having a kind of concentration. So it's meditation with an active awareness where you're really wrapping your awareness around whatever this aspect is, whatever this pattern is, which gives it the light of your awareness to be able to cultivate it and grow it. I feel like that's kind of more of a masculine approach and Tantra is more of a feminine approach. So it depends on what you like. I like both, but um, yeah, that's a scratch on the surface of how you are able to alchemize your shadows into their gifts and access them. And that means so let's try and create, create an example here. Let's say someone has realized the, the wounding or a shadow is a fear of, let's say rejection. That's one big one nowadays. How would you recommend for someone to transcend that? You know, if you were to create a, a blueprint, would it be just as simple as first recognizing it intellectually and then going to the body? How would you recommend for someone to actually clear it from the, from their system and go into it? What is the effect of that on the on the system on the genes? What does that do once we kind of are able to go into it? Yeah, yeah. So you know, this 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 is if anyone has a fourth line in their profile, this fear of rejection is a part of this fourth line. So. When you're looking into your profile, you can see where this fourth line exists. And this is ultimately the fear of rejection. So 
the way that I work with it, the way that I work with people is to first go into the insight. Like for example, there is no such thing as rejection if you don't reject yourself. So if you're in full acceptance of who you are, rejection just isn't even a possibility. So that being said, how can you go inward to understand where you're rejecting yourself? Because that's what's magnetizing rejection towards you, even the fear of rejection of like, ooh, I have this really vulnerable place within myself that I rejected. And, you know, there is rejected selves that we all on some level carry within, within our being. And this is not only kind of wrapped in and grown from our genetics and our genetic archetypes, but it's also wired into our neurobiology, into our nervous system. So the way that I work with people in this respect or the way that people can kind of work with themselves in this respect is to really consider what am I rejecting myself? Like, what am I denying in myself? And when you go into that experience or with that curiosity, feel into your body, where is this kind of activation in your body of rejection or the fear of rejection? If I was going to say to you, like, you know, I don't like you. I don't accept you. I reject you, whatever that is. Or even you can go back to a past trigger where you feel rejected. Go into that trigger, feel into your body. Where is it? What does it feel like? Speak it out loud. Get super curious about it. Like what is that felt sensation and what is the message behind it? So when you go into that felt sensation, and you get curious, you ask it questions, you know, like, how, how are you serving me? What are you afraid of? And you really allow yourself to embody what that is, like express it, move it through your body, sound it, breathe it, move it. And so the embodiment gives you, gives it access to breathe. Because otherwise it's just a holding pattern that's constricted in your being, that's acting like a barrier to true love or love in general. So when you embody it and you let it breathe and you're holding this container of safety for yourself to explore this and you meet whatever comes through with present loving compassion, that's essentially the necessary ingredients or the formula to be able to transcend and include whatever that shadow is, whatever that constriction is, that fear of rejection. And so in that sense, you know, you could do that with basically anything. And it's the, the same process of coming to accept the parts of yourself that you've been denying, rejecting, disowning. So to, to summarize, if that resistance comes about in any moment, it's just softening to it, is pouring your love on it, not resisting it so much and tensing up, just allowing it, allowing it to be. But on that, is there ever a point where... I hear you. There's the, in my journey, it's been softening to it. Then to some degree, there's an addiction to the resistance, that there's an addiction to mm -hmm. the suffering in a way. So what is it, what's the line between having it come up and softening and then actually being like, you know what? I'm past this. I can't go here anymore. What's, what's that line? Acceptance, right? The line, the line is how deeply you can be in present loving compassion because the softening into it is really the, the surrendering, the trusting, the full embodiment of who you are, the full embrace of who you are. And the, you know, actually a, an easy distinction that goes along that is 
this kind of line between surrendering into it, which is like the softening. So surrendering into it or apathy. Apathy is kind of like the cutting off. I don't care. And they can look pretty similar on the outside. You can think like, I'm just going to surrender, but really it can be apathy in disguise, which is like, I'm just going to cut this off and pretend like I don't care, even though I'm still holding this like armor around it because it's too painful to go into. So that that's a kind of easy way to tell, to be able to discern the line between healing something through surrender and softening and just perpetuating something through apathy. Hmm. So tell me a little bit about yourself. When you first came across the, the Gene Keys, what, what did your life look like when you were just discovering the shadows of yours? And how you, what were they in you and how did you move through them? Like, who were you before you made all these discoveries? Yeah, well, I, since I was 16 years old, I've been pretty obsessed with the deep, like, occult, philosophical, specifically Asian philosophy or religion. Um, I've gone into every religion, every like mystical system, um, every kind of synthesis that is able to bring us closer to the truth of who we are. So I've been working with that actively since I was 16. And it's been kind of a interesting path. Well, it's been a passion obsession of mine. So by the time I found the Gene Keys, I was already at a level of being like very open and integrated in a sense, like very open to seeing my shadows. It wasn't um, anything that new. And a part of why that was is because I was so deeply embedded in human design, which is kind of a, it's the father and Gene Keys is the mother. So they're related to both of them. So when I came to Gene Keys and I came to this map that was my hologenetic profile and I was able to go deeper into what some of these, these shadows, what some of these aspects have been for me. It's been, you know, almost 10 years now and I'm still drawing so many profound insights and layers. Like there is no end to how deep you can go in your profile and how you can relate that to your current evolution, your current existence, your current experience. So, I mean, it's been so helpful for me in so many ways in terms of really understanding, like, what is my life's work? How do I thrive? What is my greatest challenge in relationships? How do I see this show up? And ultimately, like, what is my purpose? It's it's a way for me to come back to center. However, you know, my, my passion with the Gene Keys was less so around my personal profile when I first got into it. I was like, I want to know all of the Gene Keys because I could feel this deep connection, this deep magnetism within my being where every time I would tune into one of the Gene Keys, it felt like it was scrubbing pathways in my somatic experience. It felt like it was scrubbing it clean so that I was opening space to be able to really download epiphanies and insights wisdom that is really embedded within my own DNA, within my own cells. So ultimately what it brought me to was a space of being able to hear myself more deeply, know myself more deeply. And when it comes to working with the shadows, you know, it's on the other side of it. You know, when you allow yourself to fully embrace it, you kind of, you, you have a trajectory, you have a direction of where you're going. And so you have a map 
because shadow work can be really messy and chaotic. It can throw a lot of stuff around in your life and you're like, where am I? What's going on? And where do we go from here? And that's why the Gene Keys profile is so helpful because it shows you that kind of direction. This is what's on the other side of it. You can hold that intention. You can hold that space within yourself. And, you know, just to say working with the Gene Keys, it's not it's it's really like spending 20% of your time on the seed, 20% of your time in the shadow to really be able to just see it and be aware of it when it's playing out in the moment so you can pause and not just go into that habitual biochemical reactive state with whatever that trigger is. Instead, you can really use that that gift frequency, that light of your awareness to hold that space for yourself and others. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's just, I was unconsciously doing that in my own work. Is in the beginning when I just had my you know, cliched spiritual awakening it was uh, I thought I was going crazy. I was seeing shit. I was hearing all kinds of stuff, um, and then I was like, I don't want this. Why is this happening? It feels like I'm just stuck in the suffering forever. But enough reps in the game and in, in the shadow work game. What I what I sit with now is that whenever something happens, in my system, or I'm entering a different path of darkness. Because of my experience, I know that. I'm I'm leveling up. I'm shifting. I'm I'm ch- changing towards a higher expression of self. I'm I'm finding that gift. And anyone listening, I think that's so powerful. Is when you're confronting that situation, when you're feeling down, when you're entering a stage where you're in a cocoon or something that I promise you're leveling up. That that something is coming out of you. Something's birthing out of you. Some beauty's birthing out of you, and you're you're validating that truth. Yes, 100%. And I feel like, you know, there's different approaches to activating our higher purpose and activating our genius, our gifts. I really, I appreciate, for example, like Joe Dispenza's work where he's really generating what we would call in the gene keys, the Cidic field, like the divine essence to bring that light of awareness. You know, with his work, it's like he generates this field, the Cidic field, where it's so potent that ideally it like fractures any armor and any barriers you have in your own somatic being all the way down to the very primal, the ground where the shadows are, you know? So that light, that Cidic light can like trigger and hit that soil of your shadows and start to cultivate those seeds, for example. But that's not always easy or sustainable for everybody. It's not the easiest path to really... um, just live in the Cidic field in a sense, or be able to access that. And then that's kind of like the top-down approach. Whereas I feel like working with the Gene Keys, you have that option, but working with Tantra, for example, it's starting at the bottom up. It's going into your shadows with full, present, compassionate love for yourself so that you can work with whatever you find there and integrate it, like really transcend and include it and grow it into your entire being so that 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 deep like rich soil can nurture all of you and be available for all of you i'm curious about the tantra what does your tantra practice look like and what, what, what really is tantra good question tantra is one of those like many of the things that i work with one, one of those pretty um hard to define uh grand synthesis is but I know a lot of tantric teachers are like, they don't want to divine it because it's kind of like music. How do you define music? But in a sense, tantra is a body of philosophy, texts, and practices that really 
bring you to the space of the depth of your being where you have the practice of being able to meet that depth of your being and whatever is there with full presence, love, acceptance, the full capacity to embody whatever that is. And it's through that process that you're able to, again, like transcend and include whatever unintegrated aspects are there. So it's almost like a way for you to, it's almost like, you know, we're playing hide and seek with ourselves. There's all these aspects that are unintegrated that we've kind of either disowned, rejected, or have just yet to been, they've yet to mature in our lives. And so Tantra gives us this way to be able to go into those aspects of ourselves and get to know them, integrate them. So in terms of the practice, there's, there's many different kinds of practices when it comes down to that. And a lot of people, when they hear Tantra, they think it's like, you know, they relate it to sex and yes, sex is definitely a part of Tantra and it's maybe only about 10%. Um, my personal practice with Tantra that I use is definitely a lot of like self-pleasure practices because the truth is sexual energy, you know, in another words, your life force energy, the energy that you're generating from your root, from your primal, from your deep subconscious unconscious, where most aspects of yourself are buried is the most powerful. So that level of magnetism, that level of momentum of a life force that you can play with and use to clear, to charge, to send out into the world through manifestation practices um, is really I've found the most kind of expedited way to do all of those things, clearing like purification, um, manifestation, and unlocking your gifts, rewiring your nervous system. Ultimately, I feel like is a hot topic these days. And I found Tantra is the most potent tool to be able to rewire your nervous system, like clear out old conditioning, old stories, get to know what that is without bringing in a whole kind of cerebral aspect of it. You're like in the embodiment of it. You're in the practice of it. And it's very powerful <laughs> when you can use it in that way. Sounds that way. I think we're at a stage in humanity where we hold a lot of shame for ourselves, shame for our body, shame for our sexuality, shame for our nakedness. Um, how has how Tantra helped with that? And how are, you, how are you noticing that in the collective? There's like collective shame for our full beings. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of noticed it frequently. Yeah. I noticed it myself growing up, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much cultural, social, religious repression or just conditioning around, you know, our bodies and sexuality. It's a thick, thick blanket that's really keeping us from coming to heal ourselves. But at the same time, it's that thick kind of blanket in a way that becomes a catalyst for us being like, oh, I got to take this off of me. I want to like free myself from this and really like feed my fullest expression, my fullest passion and even know what that is. And so Tantra is definitely one of those things where you can really you can journey into the aspects of yourself where you're holding and restricting any kind of shame, whether it's in your sexuality, whether it's in like the literal anatomy of your body, 
the physical of your body, whatever emotional kind of constructs you have around whatever it is you may be shameful of. And it just allows you to open up that space and be with it, embrace it. It's honestly a very similar, like the thing with Tantra, um, it's an expedited journey of what life is. It's a very similar journey to deep plant medicine work, like Bufo, ayahuasca, psilocybin. It's a deep, has that deep, it has the same lines, same with the Gene Keys. They're all working on the same path. It's just some of them, and depending on who you are, just give you a little bit extra of a pressurized momentum. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I'm curious about also the effect of our, our sexual energy, what, why it actually creates our life force. What's the effect of it being dampened in our life and our manifestations? Like what's the effect of a, a dampened sexual energy on men and women and going to each, each person, the effect of it and how can we cultivate it, bring it up and what is the effect of it once it cultivates? Mm, that's a really deep and good question. It's a big one. So if we think about even just like physically where our life force lives, and this is based on many different lineages, um, it's in this hara, the dantian, and this is just right below our belly button. And there's also kind of different um, sects that call it in the belly button as well. But this is our center right? This is our center. And so much of our power and our life force comes from this space. This is the home of our sexual energy. And so any kind of, if what whatever it may be that we're harboring, like fear of rejection, shame, guilt, repression, denial of self, the desire to isolate ourselves from all of it, that's creating a kind of constriction in our life force, in our sexual energy. It's this dampening, right? And it works physically the same for both men and women in that respect, kind of same like energetic space. And so when that's the case, you literally on a physical level don't have the conductivity of electricity and magnetism moving through your body, moving through your cells, moving through your organs. In other words, there's, there's, there's less energy to be able to fuel, to be able to give you that vitality and life force. So things in your body, when it's not getting that electricity, that magnetism, it starts to die off, right? There's parts of us like that start to die off because you're not being fed with that life force energy. And so this can definitely, I mean, it can lead for sure, I feel like, to many different diseases, depending on where our holding patterns are, depending on where we're creating this constriction or this armor in our in our physical body, right? The physical body holds the patterns of our trauma from our physical body, as well as our emotional constructs when they're rooted in shame or fear of rejection or guilt or any of these things, as well as then our mental construct, how we make sense of that. So that's all wired into our physical being. And when we have that, our life force energy, our sexual energy cannot reach those places. So they start to turn off, right? They're not getting the nutrients, the life that they need. 
And so, you know, that can lead to a number of degenerative aspects in your life, not only in your physical body, but also in your emotional body, like your capacity to really give and receive love, your mental body, how open-minded you are, how connect ultimately to like how connected you are to source, how connected you are to your purpose, your dharma, and then how that all translates to the way that we relate with one another, our capacity to be in union, be in relationship. Because if we don't, if we have aspects of our being, of our somatic being that is kind of shut down, we can't fully create a union with someone or something else, right? We don't even have that within ourselves. So our intimacy, of course, like self-intimacy and then intimacy with another is also being constricted. So I do feel like sexual energy and this life force energy is the root of everything else in our life, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and definitely how that relates to our relationships and our environment that we're creating. You know, and that being said, working like it can sound really heavy, right? Because a lot of us growing up in just the culture, different religious backgrounds, and I'm not trying to hate or say, you know, what's bad or right. Everybody can have their own relationship with what works for them. But ultimately, you know, especially when it comes to women, the the repression that we've experienced, the socioeconomic repression that we've experienced went hand in hand with our sexual repression. They go together for a reason because this is our power center. And so it definitely affects, um, you know, as well as just a huge, just your capacity to be in your full radiance and have that full electromagnetism flooding through your body, which is able to be the the ground in which you were calling towards the correct opportunities, experiences, relationships, the synchronicity in your life and what's available for you when you're fully in your radiance and you're, and you're embodying with full presence. What does sexual repression look like? Physically, I guess there's, the, I could answer that through like physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever way you think, just curious about it. Cause it's, 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 common and i don't think i think i, I ask because mm -hmm. people are unconscious to it mostly they don't know that they're repressing it yeah. and they don't know the effect of yeah. it mm -hmm. well there's a very you know we we've grown up and have a very superficial construct of what sexuality is there's a there's a huge immaturity around it and that's because it has been so repressed collectively so i mean physically what it could look like is uh, a closing down, you know, it could be just a, an insecurity. Ultimately, um, there could be a lot of shame around it. It's something that, uh, yeah, what does it look like sexual repression? It looks like people being cut off from the truth of who they are. And that's something that we see a lot. And it's, it's a it has an agenda, you know, like wherever that sexual repression came from, it has an agenda. Cause when you cut people off from the truth of who they are, from the, the center, the power source in which they can really truly be nourished and be empowered, they're easier to control. You know, they're easier to manipulate. They're easier to, um, 
have this dependency. So I guess overall, that's what sexual repression could look like in a way where you're, it's easy for you to give your power away to someone or something else, whether that's a relationship, whether that's money, whether that's a job, whether that's some kind of emotional or mental construct, it's easier for you to do that because you're not sitting in your power center. You don't have an anchor into it necessarily if it's repressed, right? You haven't opened it. You haven't matured with it. You haven't come into your and its full expression. So I'm saying this, I'm trying to touch upon a different, because I see there's our wounds. I don't know if the Gene Keys talks about this. I have no idea, but there, I see there's our wounds, individual wounds, and there's kind of these societal wounds that we're all drawing from. I'm kind of trying to hit these points of what these societal wounds are. So in your opinion, what are some of the biggest societal wounds we're seeing show up in our collective right now that you're noticing that we have to transcend? You know, the the individual wounds are as well, the collective wounds, of course, but the Gene Keys does go deep into this, and I kind of touched on it earlier, and you can look at this through your core. This is a big one, but this is for the line numbers, and there's one through six. There's a fundamental core wound that we've all incarnated with, and this plays out through many different reflections in our lives. And so there's repression, there's denial, there's shame, there's the fear of rejection, there's guilt, and there's the desire to want to isolate yourself from all of it. So I would say that in a nutshell, those six wounds are the biggest ones that I see and am witness to playing out in many different ways and many different levels <laughs> through people. And, you know, this is the chaos that we're living in right now is the necessary catalyst to be able to allow people to get in touch with what these core wounds are. You know, the craziness and the pain that comes up and surfaces at these times are necessary for people to get in touch with what these seeds are for their higher potential for their gifts. Yeah, it's it's frightening because to me, I I don't know if it's just nostalgia, but I'll feel into the energy of right now and it feels darker, more chaotic than it's kind of ever been. I don't know if that's me being being naive, but it just feels like there's a lot going on right now collectively. And why it scares me is people are still unconscious to it. I think there's like a split between those of us who are very awake and aware of it and those who are just full, further falling asleep. Why I say I'm afraid in some way is that it's like how more intense, how much more intense does it have to get for people to finally realize it? And it won't stop its intensity until people see it. So it's this tough space where it's, you know, trying to get people to wake up, but then also knowing that they're not going to wake up until it gets more intense. Yeah, and I can't say, I know there's many different prophecies around all of the deep, um, well, prophets and systems and whatnot that I'm tuned into that I've worked with and studied, and they're all kind of coming along. <clears throat> they have the same time frame and the same kind of story along where we're at right now and where we're going. And, you know, just to go back to your question you asked before, all of those core wounds, what they end up giving us is this victim complex, right? So there's definitely a huge victim complex that we have a victimization through that. And there's also a lot of people who are really working with that and finding freedom from it. 
there it's and it's through self-responsibility right it's through everything that we've just spoken about going into these places in your somatic being where you're constricted where you're resisting where you're not accepting where you're not trusting not only yourself and what's there and your trauma but life and what's there and the chaos that that is and so I definitely see a lot of people vaporizing the victim and stepping into more and more levels of truth and freedom and self-responsibility, which is really, really beautiful. And I don't know if if there's going to be a time in which collectively we all move through that victimization together. We all move through and transcend and include it together. I would like to think so. But um, but yeah, I do agree that it is definitely a chaotic time right now. And many different philosophies and prophets have been speaking to this time as the great change, you know, and this is from mind prophecy, from Steiner, from Gene Keys, from human design, from the law of one and many others. And so we're at this precipice, we're at this point of our evolution where we are being asked to, yeah, exactly, vaporize the victim and step into full self-responsibility, step into full freedom. And a part of what that means is to, or the, the point in which that happens is when life sees itself seeing itself. You know, the game is over. There's not this um, hide and seek anymore. There's the full integration, the full self-responsibility being the collective self um, and the unification of that. Individually, what should we be, we be doing to vaporize a victim? What are steps that each of us listening to this can take to start living away from the victim consciousness and entering a new reality, a new era of somatic being that isn't aligned with the victim? I'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information. And in this break, please like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. Great question. Ultimately, the answer is self-responsibility, right? And one thing you can tune into, again, as I mentioned before, it's like really contemplate, really go deep into where am I giving my power away to anyone or anything? Because when you're doing that, you're you can be a victim to it. In other words, too, it's like anywhere where you believe that you're separate. You know, even if there's someone that you haven't forgiven yet, right? Like it's a personal thing. They did this to me. Anywhere you're pointing the finger, they're doing this. They did this to me. He did that to me. There's a victim complex in that. So really go deep into where you may be holding that story in your body. Because ultimately, this vaporization of the victim comes through the realization and embodiment and the embodiment that we are all one, you know, we're all connected. There's an interconnectivity. We are one organism. I really truly believe that humans are the birth canal for the new earth, for this new level of consciousness that's being born right now. And so in order for us to actually be that birth canal, we need to be able to open space within ourselves. In other words, vaporize a victim, expand that const that constriction and be this conduit or this conscious agent of evolution that's really um, ready to be born right now. So steps people can take is, is just the, everything we've spoken about and even just 
tune in right now, like scan into your body right now. Like, where do you feel any tension, any tightness, any numbness? Where are these areas in your body? Because these somatic patterns have a message for you. And it's not just, you know, oh, I have this pain in my shoulder and it's been here because of X, Y, Z physical thing that happened to me. There's definitely, there's an emotional story attached to it. There's a mental story attached to that. And that right there is where the victim lives, you know? So going into those parts of ourselves that we are resisting, and coming to embrace them. When you say giving your power away, let's unpack that. What does that really mean? How do we know when we're giving our power away? What are some examples of that? How can we catch that? Because I think it's more common than people think. That's very true. I mean, yeah, there's there's many. I mean, one example is one that probably hits for a lot of people. And you know, we all are on different points of our evolution. And that's an important thing to recognize. We all have certain steps we have to take before we get to the next step. So, you know, consider that as I'm talking about this, I'm not saying, you know, if I'm talking about, okay, this is actually step F that you can go from A to F, you know, you might need to go to A to B. So, but ultimately, an easy one, that's kind of a blanket example is people who are working for money solely like that's at the core of why they're working it's money you know and in that sense especially for people who don't resonate with their work with their job who wish that they weren't doing it a lot of people and they're doing it just for money it's a crazy loop because money is something that it's probably the best example, money and sex, these two things, that we give our power away to these things. And a part of why that is, is because money, for example, is a massive projection field for our fear. And so there's a victim uh, loop and a paradox that happens with something like money, for example, or even relationships and sex. It can be the same thing. and. Um, yeah, that that's one example that we could see. In, in my, myself, I think another example is we're noticing in the collective is I see it myself. My own wounding is is, rec- is needing recognition, needing fame, is doing things to get attention, doing things for clicks, doing things for likes. Yeah. That's become big. Yeah. I see it in myself because I, I have to. I choose to play that game sometimes. What, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. That's a big one. I'm starting to see is that people are not are no longer doing things for their soul or there's truth. They're doing it to get a certain amount of clicks or likes or an outcome. That's also a part of the giving the power away for sure. It's like any addiction. And I like, uh, this is something that Peter Crone says. It's, you can't, um, you can't get it. You can never get enough of something that almost works. You know, so you get these hits of something where you're like, oh, money, that's my, it's a, it's a massive projection field for fear, but it's also the only way that I can feel safe or have choice or free. And it's like, it almost takes you there, but anything that you're, you're relying on in the external, anything that you're placing your power in on the external, my home, money, my relationship, you're never act, you're always going to have a kind of victim cycle with this until you really are anchored into your core, your power in the internal, and then you can play with how that manifests and crystallizes on the external in your relationship, home, money, health, whatever it may be. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, when it comes to money, it's a, it's a deep subject and there's a lot of things within that or something like recognition or agenda, but, and let's go back, let's go back to agenda, for example, to recognition, because if you're doing anything with an agenda, you're coming from a place of lack, right? You're, you're seeking something out on the external, whether that's money, recognition, status, material, thing, whatever it may be, you have an agenda. And when you're coming from that place of lack, you're going to be perpetuating that lack in your life. Love, freedom, doesn't have an agenda. Why? Because it's whole unto itself. So when we're whole unto ourselves and we're creating and building from that space, it's going to have a whole lot more value, one for you and for others and impact. So that's essentially the journey. And that's why I feel like Gene Keys and Tantra, for example, that I've found is a really powerful way to actually become whole in yourself first. So basically, anytime you have an agenda, whether that's to make money in this job or to get recognition, you're coming from this place of lack. In that moment, that sense? in that moment, yeah, in that moment of lack, when you're catching it, what should one be doing? Is it just accepting that they have a lack and softening to it? So, so what are the steps? I'm assuming part of it's acceptance, but also how can we start filling the void so we can actually do things without an agenda, just doing them for doing them's sake? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like with any desire that you have, right? The desire of recognition, the desire for more money, the desire for that relationship, for that body, whatever it is that desire of that external thing is just the superficial container of something deeper that you truly are longing for that you're truly seeking and you're thinking, Oh, maybe it's in that thing, you know, and that's that loop is when you're giving your power away to it. Right. Because ultimately what you're seeking, when you get to that point where you're like, okay, now I'm aware that I'm actually compromising myself or giving my power away um, to this thing. And I have an agenda with it because ultimately you know, where our seeking is going to continue to go outwards until we have some kind of realization or reckoning with it, where we can then tune the seeking inwards and go inwards and understand, okay, I'm, I want to make more money, or I want more recognition. What is that truly giving you? Like, what is the emotion behind that experience? So like for you, what is the emotion behind getting more recognition or getting recognized? I mean, for my wounding, probably safety. Uh, you know, I, I was I, I was loved as a kid for that, right? For for how well I could produce to be a function of something being successful. So for me, it's feel like I can love myself in some way that I can feel worthy. That's why I say worthiness. That's probably the the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. So what would you feel like if you didn't feel worthy? What would that be like for you? It's the opposite. <laughs> Unworthy, rejected, like I'm useless, not worthy of love. Just the opposite of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what would happen if you weren't worthy of love? If you weren't worthy of love, then what would happen? On a grand score, for personally, um, personally, like I felt that. What are you asking exactly? If I felt that, what would happen? 
What's the worst that would happen if you were unworthy of love? Don't answer with your head. Don't answer with your heart. I just wouldn't. I'd feel like I was I was dying in some way, you know. Yeah. When you with that, when you journey deep and deep and deep enough, it it comes out to be this this fear of death. Ultimately, it's like okay, I'm I'm, and this is this primal biological wiring that we have in order to you know for example be recognized be worthy stay in the tribe be able to survive be safe whereas the other way there's the potential of of death of being left alone of not being able to survive of being excommunicated from the tribe or not accepted and our ecology really thrives when we have love safety and belonging those are the three things that ultimately lead to the most um yeah thriving existence thriving ecology however when it comes to things like love safety and belonging those aren't things that you can necessarily like depend on the external for you have to become that love you have to become that safety you have to belong within yourself before you ask for it on the external and at that point when you have embodied love safety and belonging within your own being that is just what's going to externalize what's going to crystallize what's going to manifest in your environment in your relationships and your opportunities in your work so yeah ultimately um working with these aspects and working with the parts of us that we're kind of most afraid of and going into those steps, it can really come back down to, you know, how it is that we can once again, anchor into ourselves and become whole and fill up on our own cup, fill up on our own purpose, fill up on the source of our own being of life, God, consciousness, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that's here available to break through us and to live through us at any given moment. We just have to get out of the way of ourselves. So in terms of, um, in terms of people like reaching for or seeking desires on a superficial level at the depth of it, it really just comes down to you being able to realize yourself. Often, kind of creating a thought exercise is that even if you are trying to get that thing, let's say you're, you want to get that validity, you want to get that recognition, you want to get seen, you want that level of money that you needing it, or you constantly desiring it and coming from that lack is going to make you less likely to get it. So even on a, on a purely thought rational basis, it's important to think that way. If, if that, if what we're saying is enough, if you come from a lack, you're going to keep in a lack and keep attracting a lack versus what you're saying is that if you, get in a space in your body where you are can fill those voids internally where you're whole, you will then be much more likely to get the things that your your heart or soul desires in some way where it's not lacking. Has that been your experience in, in your reality? That when you were kind of desiring things and coming from that place that wouldn't come to fruition versus when you took the time to give it to yourself, you then started attracting them at a higher level? Totally. And when you journey with what it is that you really desire in the external deep enough, that's what you realize, right? Like we all are wired on the same journey to be able to really come home within ourselves and home being like this center that we are, that we spoke about before, this center of power, this center of 
wholeness. We all are seeking home and that's where it is. And that's where the love, abundance, safety, belong. And that's where everything we could ever want lives. And then that's that field that we're creating. And this is quantum physics. This is something like Joe Dispenza's work, his research that he's been funding through his um his experience, his his uh, his work and his retreats and everything that he's doing shows how feel the field that you're generating. Let's say you're coming from this place of wholeness of love. This field, this electromagnetism that you're generating, is what creates matter. This is how it is on the quantum, right? So the field creates matter, and so when you're trying to just create matter with matter, you're not gonna get anywhere that you really want to go. Ultimately, you're, so you're going to keep feeling like this level of lack because that's not actually what you want. You got to go a little bit deeper. And so when you, when you, when you tune, when you start to flip that seeking outward inward, you go deep enough into yourself that you're able to cultivate that wholeness. Then yes, everything that you like, your desires will often shift. You may think that you actually wanted that thing, but ultimately coming from this place of being whole and fulfilled, everything that you desire may actually shift a little bit in trajectory. Yeah. How do we not, how do we not bypass? Like when you say that, when I think of people do this wrong in some way, my eyes wrong for them is when you perceive things that way, right? Like if I get into a state of love and happiness and high frequency and I can attract whatever I want, I think in that thinking people will then bypass the necessary shadow work they have to do. So how do you, how can you do this work of getting to a freak higher frequency, getting to a higher state of love without bypassing the wounding, right? Because if you think about it, let's say your journey to get to that frequency is is feeling the shadow. That means for a certain amount of time you're gonna be in a lower frequency. So how can we how can we do that? How can we get to the higher frequency overall while not bypassing the shadows? Well, when I say that journey to wholeness, that journey to coming home, you know, is the same journey that we've been speaking about within Tantra, the jinkies, you have to, in my perspective, in my experience, you have to go into the areas that are constricted that you're not allowing to be whole, aka your protection mechanisms that are housing that are in themselves and housing your shadows. So it's not just trying to bypass and go to love and light. It's going into the really uncomfortable places that you really don't want to go to and that you tried to hide and run away from in your life. You've, you've tried to protect in your life and being able to fully enter into and embrace those spaces because that's what's going to allow you to become whole. And oftentimes when we are, you know, desiring, seeking something, a lot of the times it can be this inspiration that's fueled from or this ambition that's fueled from these shadows these protection mechanisms in a way where it's like if i get enough money i will be able to be safe from what my shadows ultimately are and so um yeah it's it's you can't just go straight into love and light you need to bring you need to bring the love to the shadows to the constrictions enter into the uncomfortable places fully embrace them and accept them which is what is going to actually give you that spaciousness of becoming whole hmm. what's your what's your core wound i have the sixth line which is kind of a heavy one because there's so there's one through six in my core wound one it's kind of it's a heavy one I've, I've journeyed with this through my own life and through 
definitely Bufo. That one brought me right there in a really, really strong way. And the sixth line is kind of the line, it, it's the core wound of isolation. So it's the desire to want to isolate yourself from all of those things that are uncomfortable. And if you have a sixth line in your core wound, you're you're going to have to go through and integrate every one of the core wounds. You're going to have to go through repression, denial, shame, fear of rejection, guilt, in order to really integrate what that core wound is, right? Because the sixth line like, is the one at the top that wants to isolate itself from all of those things. And so you have to journey through each one of these core wounds. And my gene key that I have there is a shadow of unease. And that's the first gene key that manifests through matter and it's it's that feeling of unease just like uh, this is uncomfortable being a human body it's like we're fractured right things are not in well they are sometimes but for the most part and definitely collectively they're not in its fullest expression of resonance right it's uneasy so working with those two things together and my core wound has definitely been a really powerful journey and i feel like is a huge reason why i'm doing the work that i'm doing and why I love the Gene Keys and why I love Tantra, because it allows you to go into those core wounds so that you can really heal them. And I've gotten to know each one of them very intimately through my journey. Tell me about the Bufo experience. <laughs> well, that one in particular, I've had many different Bufo experiences, but that one in particular, I had I had this intention and, in, you know, this particular time, there's three sessions, three different days where you hit it three times in a row. And this was the last day. And my intention for that, that ceremony was to clear all the fear in my body. Like I wanted to feel like what it would feel like if I obliterated fear from my body. But it's interesting because like, you know, that intention in itself could have a thread of like being afraid of fear, which is never going to let you clear the fear. Right. And when I got to that last ceremony, it showed me all of the fear, not only in my own body, but collectively. And it was really, it was just like, if you take all the pain of everyone everywhere and just shoved it into my being all at once, like in a full volume blast, that's what that was. And for a week after that, every night when I'd go to sleep, I'd go into a ceremony again without you know taking any medicine I'd go into the full experience of it in my bed and I journeyed through every like traumatic core wound seemingly event that um at large has affected us everything but pedophilia because I don't feel like my I don't I wasn't ready I'm like went everywhere but like I I I didn't go there probably because I wasn't ready to go there and that's something to really trust within medicine and in your your healing journey is you're only ever going to experience what you have the capacity to experience and so to really really trust that to really let everything in you know and trust your capacity trust your body's ability to be able to fully just integrate and gestate it like this is what we've been made for to do this and it's oftentimes the ego it's the neocortex that's like no, this isn't safe. We can't go into it. And that's like, that's the fear of fear, right? And so 
through that, a lot of what I've worked with is, is the fear of fear, not, not just fear itself, but when you go into the trigger enough, when you go into the shadow enough, like I've been doing in the gene keys and plant medicine and Tantra, the trigger starts to like the shadow starts to lose its charge. It doesn't become something that's painful or scary. It, it becomes something that is kind of like more energy to alchemize. So another way you're just, you're getting more energy in a way. And so that fear starts to drop over time and it starts to drop in your nervous system. And that's really the key, right? Because when our nervous system is hit with fear and we get that trigger, our body floods a whole kind of host of hormones, et cetera, that one can put us into flight, flight, freeze, or fawn and not be able to fully come to terms with whatever that trigger is. So working with, yeah, plant medicine, <clears throat> the gene keys and, and Tantra, it you're in such a container of safety that your nervous system doesn't go into those reactions. It doesn't go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So you can really grow your range of resonance. You can grow your capacity in your nervous system to handle life and all of its intensity and challenges and craziness. And um, that's something that I feel like is very synonymous with becoming whole because you can think about it. Yeah, you're growing your window of tolerance, you're growing your range of resonance, which also means you're growing your capacity for love. You're growing your capacity for abundance. You're, you're growing your capacity to give and receive. Through that, you're open, you're more open. Yeah, I want to speak about the duality I pick up there that you have a very you know, beautiful, inviting energy, but on the other side of that, you've been through. The ringer you've been through, you know, all, all those fear experiences, you've been deep in your shadows. So that's what I think is hard for people to logically understand, which I get from my own experiences that how come entering the darkest pits, how come feeling all society's fears for so long, how can going into the darkness, going into the horror, actually create a higher expansion of being, a higher level of beauty, a higher level of opening the heart? You know, my experience, the times of my life where I was just my heart was destroyed, you know, from personal and tragic events. My my frequency after that just skyrocketed. I went, I went into it. I allowed, I allowed it to break me open. How can you explain that? How can you explain that part of humanity that actually entering the abyss, all this fucked up shit, will raise your frequency, awaken your your level of beauty? Well, I feel like I kind of I kind of touched on that, right? Because when you open your heart to that pain, you know, like if you hold and and what it is, is compassion. That's what it is. Like talking about growing your range of resonance in your nervous system, going into the pain of humanity. And in all honesty, like we don't have to, you don't, it may not be in your karma to go into the pain of the collective and humanity. And that's okay. Like you can choose another teacher. It doesn't have to be pain. Mine has been, um, that's been a huge part of my journey is just going into the darkness and the suffering. And I've just, I've learned to love it in a way because because of the alchemy that's available there, because I feel that's a very expedited path for me. But ultimately, what it comes down to is compassion. And I feel like, you know, having conversations like this and the philosophy that I've really integrated in my life has created space in my neocortex to be able to allow me to go deeper than just the superficiality of my mind and my rational thought and logic of like shadow work or whatever it's created space it's created an open pathway for me to go deeper 
into my neurobiology. You know, there's the neocortex layer deeper is the limbic system. This is what houses our emotions and our feelings. So it's like when your neocortex has space, when we talk about it, we're like, hey, fear's not so scary. You know, it's just collective karma that's playing out that you're being triggered by its its karma, its patterns. And ultimately the um the intention is to have compassion for that karma, for that pain. And that pain then can become gold, right? You're the conduit of alchemy. Your awareness is the conduit of alchemy to turn that pain into gold, to turn it into your genius, your higher potential. There's a beauty there that then maybe gives people space in their neocortex to be like, I'm actually going to allow myself to feel my feelings. Takes them deeper into their limbic system. They can feel their feelings of what's their unprocessed things. They can start to gestate it. Maybe that then opens space up in their heart compassionately to let them go deeper into their primal brain. That's the next layer, the nervous system. And that's what houses our unconscious, our subconscious, our sacred desires and the areas of us that have not been integrated yet, the unintegrated self, the rejected self, the false self, not the false self, but the rejected self, the disowned self, it lives there, right? And that primal brain is what's influencing the primal and the limbic system together, mostly the primal. It's what's influencing 90% of our behavior, right? So in terms of... I, that's huge for someone to be able to do that. And then when they're able to do that and their awareness is starting to align with and become in tune with their neocortex, their limbic system and their primal brain. In other words, you're starting to clear the pathways in your nervous system and your neurobiology. It's from that place that you can then create alignment within those bodies. You have a sacred desire, your limbic system is then able to really meet that with an openness instead of like, you know, okay, I have a sacred desire to be sexually liberated, says someone. Their limbic system may be like, no, that's that's shameful. We can't do that. We learned all the things about how that's bad. It's evil. It's sinful, whatever. Then their neocortex starts to maybe judge and criticize other people that are displaying behaviors of being sexually liberated. So that desire gets dampened. That desire gets kind of stomped on by conditioning of the limbic system. But then when you're starting to work with your neurobiology in that deep way, which is what Gene Keys Tantra and plant medicine allows you to do, you can then find harmonic resonance and alignment within those three bodies so that when it comes to things like manifesting your deepest desires or even knowing what they are, it's that much more clear. A lot of it has to do with the resonance and the alignment within those three bodies of your nervous system, your neocortex, your limbic system, and your primal brain. Or else we're just running around confused, right? We don't have access to our sacred deepest desires of what we truly want. We're just living from maybe our neocortex and the stories in our rational mind that have justified whatever chaos is happening in the world and our limbic system, which is often conditioned feelings and beliefs, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to end with a, with a hard question to answer, deep, deeper question. Or have like a, don't know if I know the answer yet. But why do you think we choose to come to this, or souls choose to come to this human experience where we have these limbic brain bullshit issues where we're always focused on fear, where we have these big egos? Like, why did we actually choose to come to this game? Like, what's in it for us in our evolution? Like, why do we choose this fear-based thinking to evolve from? Well, being a human, 
you know, we all have this wiring of fear. It's a natural part of being a human. You know, it's nothing to fear. It's just the fear that lives within being a human. And the, the you know, less you fear it, the less power you give to it. But why we chose to come here in a sense is because, and this is stemming from different, um, different prophecies and channels and whatnot that I've integrated in my own experience is, you know, when we come here and we incarnate in these human bodies, we essentially, you know, are source consciousness with amnesia in these meat suits. And so we forget who we truly are. And we have to go through this journey to really ideally find out who we truly are, right? And that's what I'm talking about in terms of coming home, becoming whole. So that's the why are we here in a sense? What are we doing? The reason why we're here doing that is apparently... This is from the law of one that I'm pulling this from. Um, and it, we can talk about this in different ways, but I like the reflection of this. Is this plane of existence, they call it the third density, is the most powerful playground with the most potent catalysts for our evolution, not only on this plane, but in other parallel incarnations and in other dimensions. So as we evolve on this plane, we evolve in other ones as well. And, you know, this, where we're at on this earth right now, and in this precipice of the great change going through this threshold, and it feels like one of the most intense thresholds I feel like there've been, there's been in a very, 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 very long time, is to go through this rapid journey of awakening, of coming home, of becoming whole, because that field then that you're generating in your body and your somatic experience then impacts matter. And this is, again, something that you see through the quantum, but literally there's something called the neutrino stream and they're tiny subatomic particles and physics wrote them off as light for the longest time. And then they got a bigger telescope and realized that this particle actually has matter. It has information and we live in an ocean of them. There's thousands hitting us at every second. 70% comes from our sun and 30% comes from other stars that we see. And so this is what's, you know, coming down and hitting us. We're literally mutating that information with ourselves, with the field that we're carrying, the information that we have in our bodies, and we're changing it, we're mutating it. It's going back out. It's hitting whomever else. It's hitting what other, whatever other celestial bodies in the galaxy. So in other words, we're literally creating the universe through this journey of self-realization, through this journey of becoming whole. So we're impact, we have major impact as these conduits, major impact as these conduits with, you know, that are matter that are vibrant, you know, we're spirit vibrating as flesh and this matter has a, what we're carrying, this field has a huge impact on what we're putting out into the world, how we're conditioning each other, how we're conditioning other planets, how we're being conditioned. So ultimately, I feel like that's a part of why is because we're conduits for this intelligence, we're conduits for life coming to wake up within itself, 
how much fun could that be? You know, if your life and you're just like, let's see what we can do here. What happens if I can actually like experience sensations fully, if I can wake up, be present and give myself the gift of having the conscious experience, like sensational experience of what it is to be a human on this earth. Sounds like the best ever. Sounds like so much fun. Once you get over like being afraid of pain, it's not so scary. Honestly, you learn to work with it. And like I'm saying, it's like anytime I feel something challenging or painful, I'm not like, oh, I mean, sometimes I do, but it's more like, all right, well, this is then just more energy. It's a gift for me to be able to work with and alchemize and become more free and more whole. Great. I love that. I love the sensations available of being a human. So... Yeah, I guess that's how I'd answer your question. That was an incredibly deep answer. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving all these these codes and this wisdom. I'm leaving this shook. You make me realize how much how much fear I carry in my system. So <laughs> thank you for that that gift. Even though I'll probably be suffering for a bit, but it's okay. Um, where, where can people find you to learn more about all your amazing stuff? Um, Instagram is just at activate gene keys or my website. It's activategenekeys.com. I also have some free masterclasses and practices and meditations there if you want to drop into that and check that out. Um, and those would be the two best starting points, I would say. Great. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.